Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, and it reads, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. J.I. Packer, the theologian, once wrote, The Christian message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. A few years ago, we had a special Christmas message where we read the Christmas story and the story of the gospel right from the word of God. You see, rather than simply me taking a text on a Christmas morning and trying to turn it into a Christmas message. We read the gospel and the story of Christmas right from the scriptures. And the message really spoke for itself. We continued this tradition last year. And this year I'd like to renew this tradition once again. And so what I will offer you this morning is almost exclusively scripture and very little comment from the pastor. And we start in Genesis. And if you want to keep up, you can. (laughs) Or if you want a copy of my notes when we're done, I'll be happy to to give you a copy of them. Genesis chapter 1, and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. By the way, work preceded the fall, which means work actually is a blessing from God. We were created to work. He put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded him saying, you may surely eat of the tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This was the covenant that God had made with Adam, the covenant we call the covenant of works. That if he obeyed, he lived. If he disobeyed, he died. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God took one of his ribs and he made a woman and brought her to the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The world that God had made was perfect. The man was righteous and had fellowship with God. And it was as 
God himself said, very good. This was the state of that mankind was created in, and this was how mankind was supposed to live in this world, in close personal fellowship with the God who created him. But all that changed. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The seed that brought sin and death into the world was simply the seed of doubt. It wasn't an overt blasphemy. It was a simple doubt, doubting the goodness of God, doubting God at his word. And the woman said to the serpent, you may eat of the fruits of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight for the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. The separation of God and man began with man separating himself from his God, hiding in his shame and his sin. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you you were naked? <laughs> what a great question, by the way. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? What is this you have done? The Apostle Paul summarizes us this for us in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. For Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. In other words, as Paul tells us, there is no such thing as an atheist in the world. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Which, by the way, is the truth that we all have to remind our neighbors and our friends about. We all worship something. It's just a matter of who. And though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but gave approval to those who practice them. 
if there isn't a more true statement about the world around us, that people not only practice sin, but now we encourage and approve of those who do the same thing. And Paul then reminds us then, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have all become worthless. No one does good, not even one. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Paul explains, and they, in Ephesians 2, by the way, they were dead in their trespasses and sins following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That same voice that led people astray in the garden. And they live in the passions of their flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The judgment of God is upon them, which is revealed in Revelation 20, where John says, For I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. For his present, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And now... I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the story of the world. This is the story of all of us. In fact, David said, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Paul himself says, we were by nature children of wrath and we were enemies of God. In Galatians, he says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. We have become, as Isaiah said, like one who is unclean in all of our righteous deeds or like a polluted garment. In other words, the very best we can offer God is still rubbish before him. So where does our hope come from then? If we are so helpless and so hopeless, where does our hope come from? Well, in the Psalms we read, our hope is in the Lord. For God so loved. If there's a truth that wants to push the tears out of my eyes, it is that one there. For God so loved the world that he did what people who are in love do. He gave. All of you this Christmas have given gifts to your loved ones. You were excited to give them to them, right? You wanted to give them. Why did you give them gifts? Why did you make a point to give gifts to all the people that you have? Why? Because you love. Well, if you can love, limited as you are, imagine the love of an infinite holy creator For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And in Matthew, we are told, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
And then Luke chimes in and says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel went, was sent to, from God to the city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. By the way, the universal expression of anybody who ever encounters an angel is, is always the same. <laughs> Wait a minute, don't be afraid. There's something about them angels that evoke that fear. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the, and the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold... Your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month of her who is called barren. For nothing, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose, and she went in haste to the hill country, to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. The very first person to worship Christ was an unborn child in his mother's womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For another, for behold, when the, the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is he who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. When Jesus' mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, they came together. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Even then, by the way, people didn't believe always in miracles. And as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her from, is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If there is a reason to have hope this Christmas, there it is. He came to save people, his people, his sheep from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive 
and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Let's say that together, church. God with us. God came to be with you. With you. Sometimes I think that it's easy for us to look historically and think about these things, and we think broader in general terms, but I think it's also important that we think about these things in individual terms. God came to be with you. Even before you existed, he knew you and he knew of you. And he came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the words of the apostle John, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the miracle, the incarnation, that God himself came into his own creation to be with us. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field watching over their flock at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known what they had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered, but Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. At the end of eight days, he was circumcised. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And from and when the time had come for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit in the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, he took him up in his arms and blessed him. 
and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the father and mother marveled at what, what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes and of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, and they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertaining from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring word to me, and I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, uh, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. By the way, our nativity scenes are, are um, summaries of a bigger story. Because by the time the wise men get there, Jesus is already a toddler, not just a baby in a manger anymore. Um, and going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, their mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And now when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother to flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. When Herod had saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all of the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that was ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. This part of the story reminds us that Jesus coming into the world is not just simply a pretty little story of a baby being born. It's a reminder that God came to earth on a mission to make war on our enemy, and the enemy was trying to fight back. And we see the violence that the enemy and the distance the enemy is willing to go to, to undo the, the, uh, the justice that God is bringing and, and the ransom that was being provided to set us free. But when Herod died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother out of the land of Egypt, for those who sought the child's life were dead. And he rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And they went and lived in a city called Nazareth. And the child grew 
and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then, in about 30 years, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country in Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down to untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. Jesus was baptized not for the repentance of his own sins. He was baptized to identify with us and the sins that we've committed. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Holy, the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, coming down to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with him, with whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread and he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. By the way, it's no coincidence that Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, right, that, that all scripture is breathed out by God. It is literally breathed by him. It comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and led him to the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you were the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall command his angels concerning you, and on his hands he will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus says, again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Notice, by the way, that the devil himself knows the scriptures and is misquoting scriptures in order to try to deceive Jesus. This is why your church family is so important to you. This is why your understanding of the Word of God and being in the Word is so important to you. This is why being in prayer and drawing near to God is important because many people will speak as if they have authority from the Scriptures like the devil. We must know them better. And notice Jesus does. He says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, 
The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Or in other words, the time is now. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe the gospel. For the Son of Man, as he says later in Luke, came to seek and save the lost. He also said in John, I have come that you may have life and have life abundantly. He also says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection of life. And then if it wasn't clear about who he is, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is good comes to the light so that he may, it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He was despised and rejected, remember? But all who did, this is the promise. This is the promise that you can take. All who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him to in how to destroy him. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas to betray him, Jesus, knowing the Father had given him all things in his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel and tied it around his waist and he poured water in a basin and he began to do only what the lowliest servant would ever do and that is to wash the disciples' feet. And when he'd washed their feet, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place and said, do you understand what I have done for you? You have called me teacher and Lord, and you are right for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done for you. In other words, there should be no lengths that we are willing to go to to serve one another. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. 
After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And one of his disciples said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he whom I will give this morsel of bread when I've dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas. Then after taking the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said, What you're going to do, do quickly. When they had gone out, when he had gone out, Jesus said, The Son of Man is now the Son of Man is glorified, and the Son and God is glorified in him. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so I say now to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Brothers and sisters, this is such an important thing for us to really take home and, and really make part of our lives. People are not going to know that we are disciples of Christ because we have a bumper sticker in our car that says, I love Jesus, right? People are not going to know that we're the disciples of Christ because we stand on the street corner and we, we hurl insults at other people, right? People are not going to know that we are the disciples of Christ that because we are because we are condoning of other people's sin. People are going to know that we are the disciples of Christ by the love that we have for one another. A sacrificial love, a forgiving love, a gracious love, a love that does not seek its own, a love that truly seeks the good of others. And then they went to the place called Gethsemane and his disciples, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took to, with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly disturbed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet... Not what I will, but what you will. Facing the specter of the wrath of God for the sins of the world, Jesus said, if it's possible to take this away, then do it. But not how I would do it, Lord, by your will. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers, went with lanterns and torches and, and weapons then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you see? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said to them, I am he. And they drew back and fell to the ground. He asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. So the band of soldiers arrested Jesus and bound him. And then they led Jesus to the governor's headquarters early it was early morning, and so Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. 
but my kingdom is not of this world. Then Jesus said to him, you are, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king for this purpose I was born. And this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release to you a man for the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, literally beat him with an inch of his life. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in purple robes saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out and said to them, See, I'm bringing you out, bringing out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold this man. When the chief priests saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone makes himself a king, opposes Caesar. And so Pilate heard these words. He brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat. And he said, Behold your king. And they cried, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And criminals, and the criminals, one on his right, and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals railed to him, saying, You are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since we are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then Jesus calling out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirits. And finally he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he died. And behold, the curtain of the temple in that moment was torn into from top to bottom. The prophet Isaiah said, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him 
stricken, spitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that was before its shearers is silent. He opened not his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. God was pleased to crush his own son who was born on Christmas Day for us. As Paul says, God shows his love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Peter said, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. He went to the Pilate's and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it given to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it in a new tomb where he had cut in the rock and rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And it seemed as though the light of the world had been extinguished. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. Now, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you now stand and by which you were being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day, accordance to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and the Twelve, and then to more than 500 brothers at one time, and then most of whom were still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and all the apostles, last of of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me is not in vain. So I'm eager to preach to you the gospel, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And once we once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince, the power of the air, the spirits that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. And by nature, we're children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive to, together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Hallelujah to that. For he says, in favorable times I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. So believe. Believe. In Jesus Christ our Lord, repent and believe the gospel, and you will be saved. And this is the word of the Lord. And that, my brothers and sisters, is what Christmas and every Lord's Day is about. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And before I pray for you, if I can offer up one last thing. All of us in the last several years have walked difficult roads for many different reasons. We've walked many difficult roads because of the, the pandemic and what that's caused, government regulations and what that's caused. Individually, we've also had choices that we've made. Some of those have been good choices. Some of those choices have backfired. All of us have been have struggled with relationships and some of us have been betrayed and there has just been all of us, every single one of us had victories and we've had huge setbacks. And what I want to encourage you in is this, is that Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble, right? But to take heart because he has overcome the world. Our hope ultimately then is in him and he has already solved your greatest problem. But even more than that, what I want to encourage you in is that he's also promised to never leave you or forsake you. He came to be with you. And he is still, if you have faith in him, with you. As he says, if you are in Christ, then Christ is in you. And so in a very real sense, you are never, ever alone. And so I want you to walk in that truth, understanding that God loved you enough to not only pay for your sins, but then to guide you and comfort you and strengthen you and, and, and give you what you need to walk through today. And there, at times, you might even battle with this sense of, I just am unworthy. I'm unworthy of the love of other people. I'm unworthy of, of God's love. I'm unworthy of whatever. Understand that we are already unworthy because of our sin. But 
God then made us worthy. Not because of what we have done, what Christ has done in our place. And that we have been then drawn into his family as his own children. And if you are then children of the king, then you are heirs of the promise of the king. Then you need to live your life then in the confidence knowing that he is with you and for you. And that he will guide every one of your steps. And that when those feelings of unworthiness come, that you can lay those at the foot of the cross and know that God has made you worthy. Again, not because of what you have done, because of what Christ has done for you. All you have done is held on to Christ. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.